You're listening to the Autism Weekly Podcast. Each week, we share community voices and bring light to stories that increase awareness, acceptance, equity, access, and inclusion across the autism community. If you haven't already, subscribe to join the Autism Weekly family. I'm your host, Jeff Skibitsky, and I'm excited to welcome Dr. Jared Brown back to the podcast to talk with us about autism and theory of mind. Theory of mind is a person's ability to understand that other people's thoughts and emotions are different from their own. We're going to break down what parents should know to better understand their child on the spectrum. Jared's a professor, trainer, and private consultant with extensive experience working with individuals on the spectrum. Jared, welcome back to the podcast. Honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me back. So I would like to start today's episode with just an understanding. So we're celebrating World Autism Month. And I know that we're going to get into theory of mind, but to kick us off, what do you wish the world knew about autism as it pertains to theory of mind? It is a core universal deficit among people with autism. Everything I know about autism, if someone's diagnosed with autism, they are going to have some level of theory of mind deficits. It should be a core, core component to intervention, treatment, and screening. I think it should be really weaved into the fabric of how we understand, approach, communicate with people on the spectrum. I, since learning about this topic, it's really helped me have a much better understanding of why people do the things they do. Now, theory of mind is not all exclusive to people with autism. If you're working with people with extensive trauma histories, people with other neurocognitive or neurodevelopmental disorder impairments, you're probably working with people with theory of mind deficits on some level. So if you are working with people in any capacity learning about this topic, if you're working with young kids on the playground or if you're a CEO in a boardroom, this topic has relevance to communication, interaction, decision-making, conflict resolution, and the list goes on. So if you were to sit down with a family and really break down in their language what theory of mind actually is, and maybe it's putting it into those milestones that we all can kind of see within our own child, is, you know, what is what is theory of mind? How does that look for a two-year-old, for a six-year-old, for a 13-year-old? Maybe you can give us some of that background so we can be on the same page as we go through this. It's really understanding internal mental states of other people. So what is that person's ability to understand other people's beliefs or their desires or being able to read a situation and understanding emotions and how to use emotions effectively, how to understand information and intentions and even misconceptions. Can that person understand that other person's motivation or opinion or their plans and how other people's opinions and desires and beliefs may differ from their own. There's a lot of different constructs that are related to theory of mind. There are elements of empathy wrapped up in the theory of mind. Theory of mind also falls under the umbrella of social cognition. And oftentimes like perspective taking, 
and theory of mind are used interchangeably. And there's a whole nother line of literature called mentalization. Oftentimes those two are used interchangeably in the literature. But interestingly too, theory of mind has a lot to do with how we communicate with other people, how we negotiate, how we resolve conflicts. What is our ability to detect deception in other people? That is a key theory of mind ability. So people with low levels of theory of mind may not detect when someone else is trying to take advantage of them. So we need to be aware of the topics of like naivete and gullibility and those kind of things. So if you're an interviewer and you're interviewing someone with theory of mind deficits and you don't realize that, it could come off where that person may look cold, callous, aloof, checked out, one-sided, lack empathy. They're all about themselves. And if you're a criminal justice interviewer, if that person's a defendant sitting in court, that can make that person look really bad. Once you understand this topic, I think you're in a much better position to understand why people may have those reactions the way they do. Here's one thing I'll say too, Jeff, is that you look at this literature, there, there's many benefits associated with having really good solid theory of mind. But in some cases, some people may use advanced theory of mind for the bad. There's something called nasty theory of minds where they have found in some cases, let's say someone has really poor moral reasoning and bad ethics and just doesn't care how they impact other people, but they have very advanced theory of mind they may be more likely to bully other people. They might be the ringleader in like a, like a cult or a gang where they know how to say the right things and pull the strings of other people. By no means am I saying people on the autism spectrum do that because typically they have lower levels of theory of mind, but it's just something that folks need to be aware of. Just because you have advanced theory of mind doesn't mean it always is a good thing too, depending on how people yeah. use it. Now, I mean, there's always going to be polarity on on both ends is that uh, and the manipulation that you're describing that could occur there is it's it's scary at times. But as we look at it, when you were describing kind of how that perspective or how somebody understands the experience of another, first of all, that seems like a worldwide problem right now. So, I mean, it's bigger than just autism. But in the autistic space right now is that. For some parents, they might feel like, hey, my child's being selfish because they're not sharing their toys at the age of three, or my child is not feeling sad because their friend went through a horrible experience and they find it funny or are laughing about it because to them, they're, they haven't experienced the same thing. So they're going off their own recall of the events or how they're in, internalizing it right now, which if you haven't learn to take that perspective probably can deteriorate relationships. So as parents start looking through this, I mean, understanding theory of mind is tough, but also understanding that your child hasn't got received those skills yet, it's probably difficult to parent around. So how do you encourage families to say, or to parent when their child doesn't have those skills yet? I have a lot of patience. And there's a lot of factors that are associated with the healthy, positive development of theory of mind. So understanding what other factors might play into this. Language development plays into this. 
So understanding your child's use of language is very helpful. So maybe referral to a speech language pathologist. Social skill development plays a critical role in theory of mind development. So really understanding your child's ability to interact with other people in a group dynamic and interpersonal dynamic. Understanding humor, humor processing, telling jokes appropriately, understanding jokes are all critical components of theory of mind. How someone makes a friend, how they read that social situation to really realize if that's a healthy friend versus an unhealthy friend, big component of theory of mind. Executive function and theory of mind are not the same thing, but they develop simultaneously. And oftentimes when there's deficits in one area, they may have deficits in another. So understanding executive function, that's the CEO of the brain, relates to working memory, inhibition, cognitive flexibility, abstract reasoning. Theory of mind development also relates to academic development. So there's a lot of things we need to be aware of. If you're a parent or a professional, if a couple red flag indicators I think you'd want to be on the lookout for to determine that this person's probably dealing with some level of theory of mind deficits. Does that person have a tendency to really just always focus on themselves in a conversation where it just seems like it's always one-sided? Do they have a tendency to rub people the wrong way in a social situation where then they go home and they have no clue, no, no perspective of what happened there? Do they have a tendency to have a real difficult time like using nonverbal gestures to really impact other people? So really picking up on like sensitivity, criticism, empathy, all of those things. Does that person have almost like an indifference to other people's opinions where again, it just kind of goes over their head where then maybe they lack foresight or insight or planning for the future or seem like they have some abstract reasoning deficits, those kind of things. If you have a child or a teenager who has a real difficult time understanding the rules in social situations and they just continue to misread that situation, those are all pretty good red flag indicators of theory of mind issues. But also does that person understand like faux pas? That's like the ultimate theory of mind. Do they not get sarcasm? Do they, how do they handle misunderstandings where there's just consistent misunderstandings and breakdowns in one-on-one -on -one communication or in a group communication? Do they not understand like white lies or bluffs or persuasions? These are all components to be aware of when we think of theory of mind. Jeff, breaking it down maybe just a little bit further, there's many dimensions of this. We could spend all day on that, but there's like self-referencing theory of mind, which is considered more like in more intrapersonal theory of mind. But then there's other referencing where it's more interpersonal theory of mind. So there's internal and external dynamics to this as well. That internal piece, Jared, would that be almost the inability to accept fallacy or failures or to see any weakness in yourself? Or I mean, or am I am I reading that wrong? Could be a big it could be absolutely a component of that. So it's imperative to, to be able to look inward, 
to look backwards, learn from our experiences, be able to process that. So like self-reflection, people with profound theory of mind deficits may have a real difficult time with some elements of self-reflection, where again, they're maybe living like an external life always, and they're not looking inward. So teaching them how to slow down, put on the brakes, which is inhibition. And there's actually some literature to show a connection between like low levels of inhibition, which are a component of executive function, and being able to understand and use theory of mind effectively as well. Many things can exacerbate this. It's not just one thing. There's many different components to this that can make it worse or better for people. Well, I mean, obviously, is that a, any individual needs to know who they are, how they feel about things, and then also how others are experiencing it to be able to make some form of decision and being able to kind of navigate the world around them. But you had mentioned patience as being one of the key factors for families because development of a theory of mind is not an overnight development. And if you see these deficits, it's not going to change immediately. It's going to take a lot of referencing. It's going to take a lot of practice. It's going to take a lot of situations. So as this patience is being demonstrated by families and understanding that, you know, my child's not going to succeed all the time in these situations, who, who do they turn to? How do you get more of this opportunity to learn? Turn to the family, turn to the school, turn to a therapist, turn to a skills coach. Anything you can do to promote emotional understanding is a component of theory of mind. So teaching moral judgment, teaching pro-social decision-making, teaching more reasoning skills, helping that person learn how to process, name, and label emotions more effectively is a component. Some of the best things you can do, again, is just sit and have dinner together, talk, conversate, share stories, reduce technology usage, engage the senses, helping that person learn how to think outside of themselves. So opportunities to practice, not just at home, but on the playground, on the bus, as that person gets older, practicing the skills of negotiation and conflict resolution as they get into a job or college. So I think we can practice these things all the time by just talking, explaining things, breaking it down, understanding that person's learning capabilities, because some people might be visual learners, some might be auditory, some might need both, chunking it out. I've heard in some cases to teach some of these things, maybe find a short clip on YouTube that discusses a particular topic or an emotion and show a video. I heard that can really help and make it visual. Stop it every little bit. Talk about it with the individual. What did you see here? What did you experience? What did you feel? Art therapy, music-based approaches, just helping that person be more attuned to their senses and emotions can be very, very helpful. But also helping that person learn to understand more implicit social norms, like unwritten rules within that social environment. Teaching them what it means to have good personal space of other people, not talking too close, not talking too far away. How to talk to a stranger differently, or maybe not at all, compared to someone you know very well. 
I've consulted on cases where they have had very inappropriate bathroom behavior where it's resulted in that person having the police call on them. So what does it mean to have appropriate bathroom behavior? Appropriate behaviors in an elevator, not intrusively interrupting other people. So there's opportunities to really practice this all the time. I'm going to I'm going to lean on you a little bit here to to give some guidance because I think that oftentimes is that the treatment world treats or kind of gets into the I have a definitive response. Part of theory of mind would be that gray area, the the area of the maybe of the world, which you had talked about with negotiations and being able to accept better, but maybe not best or being able to move in the right direction, but not be there today. How hard is that piece to teach? And are we prepared as a community to teach that globally right now? It's got to be individualized because, you know, some folks on the spectrum are going to have way more deficits and much lower IQs than other people on the spectrum. So really individualize it. And again, another reason why to refer the individual maybe to some cognitive or neuropsychological testing because there could be some other factors going on. Rule out medical comorbidities. We know lots are going on with sleep and digestive health functioning. Individualize the approach, I think is very important. Take into account their adaptive functioning and executive functioning capabilities as well. I'm a big fan of Lego-based therapy and there's emerging evidence coming out related to that in autism. Not a lot, but there's emerging evidence. So your audience might want to take a look at like Lego-based therapy. You'll find some stuff online. Finding a good social skills group where they understand these topics, where they're teaching subtle social skills in the group. But here's the problem. If you're only teaching it in the group and not helping that person be able to generalize it, to the classroom, to the playground, at home, on the bus. You really need to practice these skills in the real world environment as well. And these are things that are not going to be mastered overnight. It's a long haul. Maybe it's working with a life coach, a social skills coach who can come in to the house too, teaching the parents these things, helping everyone involved in this person's life to learn about these topics, and reinforce it and model it over and over and over again until that skill becomes mastered. Again, it's easier said than done. I can talk from a professor lens, but it's challenging. And there's a lot of barriers to this and a lot of barriers too. So we need to look at the barriers and challenges and weaknesses of the individual too and making those modifications to take into account all of these factors. I agree. It's extremely challenging. And I, I, was in a good position to be able to observe some of the new technology coming out on this, where it's games being played, where you only get part of the information. The other person has the other part. You have to be able to work back and forth in order. But that gives some perspective. So there are technologies, there are ways to be able to do this creatively. And that one happened to be at the Innovation Center at Vanderbilt. But there's other groups that are working on these technologies all the time which I think will increase the ability for us to be able to make treatment more mainstream in theory of mind and in being able to understand perspective. But before before we kind of move beyond all of this, I, I do want to know if somebody doesn't develop these skills, I mean, what what could happen with their relationships? I mean, what, I mean, is it is it ultimately potentially going to be a 
a struggle to be able to form meaningful relationship if you don't have these skills and abilities? In more challenges, absolutely. They could be more prone to being gullible and talked into doing things that might not be in their best intentions. There is some literature between the link of theory mind deficits and peer victimization, bullying and teasing. Unfortunately, we know that's a real issue in this population in general. Being able to understand humor and process it and use it effectively. Profound deficits in this area, I think they're going to have a big time understanding like accurate judgments of mental states of other people. So they may misread social cues and it could really lead to more relationship breakdowns and friendship making deficits. And emotions are complex in and of themselves. So if that person has a real hard time understanding complex emotions, it gets very tricky. And sometimes the person may go more inward and start pushing the outside world away. And when you go inward, if the person doesn't have a lot of supports and services, higher levels of anxiety, depression, guilt and shame, starting to feel like low self-esteem. I've seen it play out too, where they go inward and become very, very active in the online world. And that opens up a whole nother can of worms. But I do think regardless of the person, these things can be taught. I'm not saying it's going to get 100% better, but it can absolutely get better on some level. So never lose hope, even if you're working with adults. The more you can practice these skills and model them and really utilize some of these approaches, I think are going to be very helpful. And I would encourage your audience too to seek out some training or awareness about metacognition or get some somebody who understands metacognition training as well. Metacognition training helps that person think about their thinking and know about their knowing and helps them learn more effectively, helps them have more insight and awareness too. So metacognition has been studied within the context of autism as well. Absolutely. And I mean, as a parent, knowing that this is such an important part of my child's social development and knowing that it's going to be challenging. Um, I, the first thing I'd want to know is, A, where are the resources? Who do I reach out to? How do I find more about theories of mind? So I'm, I'm going to pose that to you. I mean, you're here as, the, as an expert in this. Is where, where do people find more information on theory of mind? Because that's the starting point. You're just going to find tons of videos on YouTube that talk about this from various organizations. I've l listened to many of them. Very good. If you just Google theory of mind and autism, you're going to find lots of websites, blog postings that talk about this. There's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles published on theory of mind and autism together. Looking at thought bubble training, that would be something, a good search term to be aware of. There are different types of programs you can find in workbooks. I know if you just go online and type in theory of mind workbooks, you're going to find a number of different things that are out there. There's different software programs you can find online I'm aware of. Different games. I think there's a game called Let's Face It. If you just type that in and type in Theory of Mind, there's picture book stories. I think like you can use like Think Alouds. There's Talkability. It's a guidebook for parents. That would be something to look at. 
working with someone who understands like creative dramatics, like an art therapist or music based interventionalist, just doing those things can help promote theory of mind. Engaging that child in pretend play and helping promote creativity has been shown to help promote theory of mind. And just engaging in the very act of role playing may enhance empathy and theory of mind for anyone. So role playing activities is a very helpful thing. Your school that you send your child to, are they utilizing social emotional learning? Really promoting that. Social emotional learning relates to self-awareness, teaching self-management skills, even social awareness, relationship building, and promoting responsible decision making would be components of that. Lots of literature too to support the fact that if you can just instill positive, healthy, moral character and moral development, that helps. Engaging in any type of art, just color books, storybook, anything like that, engaging art is a great thing. Reading to your child, getting them to think about their thinking, getting them to learn, getting them motivated to learn new things is a really helpful thing. And just the act of reading, being around animals has been shown to be very helpful too, like equine assisted therapy, working with like a, a specialist who understands those dynamics. Maybe it's therapeutic gardening, getting outside and gardening. Maybe it's drum-based interventions. There's a million things we can do to promote these kind of things and enhance overall child development, in my opinion, too. Well, Jared, I appreciate the catalog resources that, that you've provided. I think that's a great starting point for families. And I and I also appreciate you coming on today to to start this discussion on on theory of mind and, and the value that it has in basically every component of treatment and life. So thank you. You're welcome. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week.